Welcome to Tap In, Waterloo Region's newest community podcast brought to you by Social Venture Partners. I am your host, Rose Greensides, and over the next three months, we will take you on a journey where we will tap into real social issues facing real people in our region. Joining me will be other community leaders where together we promise to inspire you to be part of the solution. Today, our subject matter is volunteerism, and our co-host is Nicole Hallman. Nicole is a strong advocate for volunteerism in the community and through her work with Charitably. She also sits on the board of Volunteer Waterloo Region. So welcome, Nicole. Thanks, Rose. I'm happy to be here today. As our guest today, we have the one and only Jane Hennig. And Jane is obviously an expert in the world of volunteers and the CEO of Volunteer Waterloo Region. She has been with Volunteer Waterloo Region for 20 years. So welcome, Jane. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation today. I think we all are, actually. I think this is a subject matter that we've all spoken about individually, and we're all pretty passionate about it. So I'm excited to get started. So with that, I'm going to just make a a note that before I got involved many moons ago in the social profit sector, I was completely unaware of how extremely important volunteers are in sheer numbers and how they benefit our community and ultimately our country in so many ways. So Jane, I think it would be great if you could just start with sort of a lay of the land of how important volunteerism is in Canada, and if you can even bring that to a local sense, that would be great. Well, there's no question that we have a unique understanding of volunteerism here in Canada. It is a part of the infrastructure of our country, and it is built into every facet of our lives. That's different than in many countries. So we are always ranked right at the top of volunteer contribution. And if you look at the numbers, The most recent numbers show that 24 million Canadians volunteer. That's almost 80% of adult Canadians who volunteer in some form. Now, that is the first time that we've actually counted the volunteers who volunteer informally by helping neighbor and doing things for their family and that kind of thing, which is really important because it helps keep people out of the systems that don't need to be in the systems. by showing care for those who are in our immediate circles. But at least almost 13 million volunteer formally in the different organizations in the communities. And that's about 50% of the human resources for charities and nonprofits. So it's really important to the services that we all desire in our communities that we have active volunteer programs. And you talked about this before when we've chatted, the difference between formal and informal. I'm not sure if that concept is known by listeners. So can you just talk about what that difference is when we're talking about statistics? I think we all think of volunteerism in terms of formal volunteering. And that's where you go out into the community organizations and you volunteer to help at the food bank, at the hospice, with your children's soccer club, with the schools. Those kinds of things are formal. They're in a formal structure, helping with the human resources, helping with delivery of program that is part of so many different aspects, arts and culture, uh, that sort of thing. Informal has really been noticed a lot during COVID. It is the neighbor helping neighbor. It is the family member 
taking care of an older adult or a young child with some form of a disability or other ability. Those are the kinds of things that are so important to maintaining services for our communities because we just don't have the people power or the financial power to deliver the services for everybody at all times. And so taking care of our neighbors is really important. You talked about COVID, so I'm going to open up that moment for a second. We know that obviously COVID was a massive disruption for volunteers in the region and and Canada and across the world. Some early statistics I saw were Canadians volunteered pre-COVID about 5 billion hours a year, which is massive. Can you talk a little bit about how COVID came in and disrupted the system? Early on, we heard that charities were facing a 60% decline in volunteer hours and contributions. So what did that look like on the ground? And are there any success stories you can talk about, either informal or formal, of how people rallied together? Yeah, actually, there's so many success stories. But I do think it's really important to note that there was a disruption. And that is not just a local disruption. It is worldwide. There's a recent research paper out of the UN that really talks about that disruptive nature of COVID, of the environment, other social factors, and now war is also ravaging. And that absolutely is changing the scope of how people volunteer, where people volunteer. What we saw at the beginning of COVID when everybody had to shut down programs because they couldn't be together, they couldn't interact. Pre-COVID, less than 12% of volunteer roles included any kind of technology. And so as soon as you hit COVID, 100% had to be based in some form of technology until the in-person programs got up and, and redesigned to accommodate the spread of germ. And so it was so important that we stayed connected. So we at the volunteer centers across the country, but locally, really fielded many, many calls. Thousands of people wanted to help. It wasn't that people didn't want to help. It wasn't that they didn't want to volunteer. It was that the programs where they could volunteer were all transitioning at lightning speed and couldn't accommodate the volunteers at first. So we really promoted help your neighbor first. First your, first your family, then your immediate neighbors. And then if you still need something to do, by then we'll have formal programming. And we had it. We had hundreds of people that were coming forward on a regular basis who were involved in food security, in psychosocial, spiritual support work, in shelter and homelessness supports. There was the clinics for vaccines. Volunteers were involved in every aspect of the formal response. So you could see positive stories in every case. I was telling Nicole earlier today that the story of a student who talked to us about going door to door in her neighborhood, finding out what did her neighbors need. And she found an 83-year-old, I think, neighbor who really missed going to a restaurant. And so she set up a table in her garden, put linens out, 
cooked her a Mediterranean meal and served her like she was in a restaurant. And it's like, how cool is that? And how lovely to hear about the different ways that you can make a difference for a neighbor. Jane, I was thinking about just the difference between a formal versus an informal response, especially in the pandemic's case. And I think it's worth mentioning that there are some challenges when you look at a formal response, because it's not so easy to mobilize people that quickly. And when it comes to volunteering in general, there are a lot of checks and balances or process that you need to go through to enable people to do that. Do you maybe want to comment about how Volunteer Waterloo Region can kind of help facilitate that or the, the steps that you specifically took to kind of foster or mobilize those formal Formal volunteers? So we worked with the region who is responsible for the formal response in a pandemic situation and really delivered a central point for intake for volunteers. So instead of volunteers having to go to the 50 different organizations that were helping with the formal response, they could come through our center. We would do the full intake and it included like the whole range because the formal response dealt with very vulnerable clients. And so they had to go through a very in-depth screening process to allow ease of concern for the clients that were being served by those volunteers. So we did that. We worked with all the municipalities and formed a single point of entry for volunteers to do the screening, get everybody up and ready, And then we could, based on their skill set and their interests, we could put them out in the community where the most need was. We were really targeting the need as opposed to your personal interest. And so we made that clear with the volunteers. So, yeah, it was a very structured, very formal, time-consuming process, but we ended up with over 500 volunteers who were active in those formal settings that were new volunteers during the pandemic. Okay, so there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to volunteering. And the one that irks me probably the most is that people think that volunteering for charities is free. And we know that that is so not true. Any thoughts on other misconceptions and what we can do to sort of combat that so people actually understand the true value of volunteerism? Okay, well, this doesn't exactly answer your first question, Rose, but one big misconception I think there is about volunteers in our community is what a volunteer actually looks like. So I don't know if people have given it a lot of thought, but I think in our minds, we have a picture demographically of what we assume a volunteer is or what a volunteer looks like. And I think that that is actually very far from the case. And I've been just uncovering this myself through a lot of recent interactions and conversations I've had. But really, volunteering is actually a really big space for specifically younger people to get engaged in the community and also for newcomers to come into the community and really start to build a sense of community, feel like they belong, and to make a lot of very important connections that will help them establish themselves in the community, maybe potentially give them some experience that will lead to employment, and also really help them feel like they're giving back to potentially a new home for them. So it's interesting because I think that especially through some of these informal volunteering opportunities that Jane was talking about earlier, it really is a big shift in who is out there putting in the work and making a big difference in our community. 
you're right. When you talked about the profile, automatically I had this image in my mind. But, you know, I think we need to start dismantling that image and really look around. And Jane, you you brought a couple of really cool examples in your stories earlier. But Jane, I'm going to throw that back at you about, does that irk you as well that people say that volunteerism is free? Because there's such a cost. I mean, it's a good cost. There's definitely a trade-off. But what's your thoughts on that? Hit the nail on the head with a pet peeve there. (laughs) Because I really, really struggle with that. And yes, I know that the definition of volunteering is people giving freely of their time and talents and their abilities, which is great and which provides a depth of skill set that we wouldn't have access to in the nonprofit world if it were for volunteers. However, to continue the myth that the process is free of charge does such a disservice. And if you look at the economic contribution of volunteers, so you talked about 5 billion hours. The Conference Board of Canada did research back in 2018 that demonstrated that the contribution of the charitable and nonprofit sector was almost 8% of the GDP. That is larger than most industries and many major industries combined. And that the contribution of volunteer effort, the work effort of volunteers solely contributes 2.9% of the GDP. Again, bigger than many industries contribute. And you can't possibly think that a company of any size would look at over 50% of the human resources and not invest in it. And we do not invest in volunteerism in any way that adds to the potential that volunteerism could bring. You know, we have such a, a limited understanding of the work that's needed. Yes, There is absolute benefit and there is a return on that investment that is exponential, but there is an investment that we have to make. And so if people think it's free, that does a disservice to all of the volunteers who are out there. And and let's just stay on that for a second, because I think you've hit a really good point there. And when we just bring it locally into Waterloo Region, we know that Waterloo Region is the fastest growing community in Canada. And so as we move forward and we know that we are a growing community and so the needs of our community will also grow, volunteerism and philanthropy will continue to play such a vital role. So what can we do as a community to ensure that people continue to be generous, not only with their money, but their time? Because as we move forward, it's just going to be critical. Yeah. And I think it's showing the respect. Nicole was talking about the benefits for newcomers, for youth. Certainly, there is a tangible benefit that relates to employment. So in terms of building skills or demonstrating skills in a workplace for newcomers so that they can build on the resume for employment in the future. But it's more, it's about them feeling part of the community. It's about giving them voice. One of the really cool things in the UN report that I was talking about earlier was that the experiencing developing countries during COVID is really being touted as something we can learn from in the Northern Hemisphere. And that is that they engage the volunteer 
which is the voice of the person with lived experience in designing the program that resolves the issue. And they're finding significant innovation in problem and issue solutions that are coming through the volunteer voice. So I think that as we embrace the contribution of a broader community in volunteering, it will help to generate innovative solutions to issues that are paramount. You touched a little bit about youth and a couple of things you talked about. And I wonder if we could just curtail there because it's such an important piece. Obviously, SVP is super passionate about it with our SVP teens program. And and we know that when teens volunteer, they are less likely to feel disconnected. Teens who volunteer are 50% less likely to participate in risky behavior. So there's all this data about how important it is. And, you know, I know, Nicole, this is a big passion piece for you and things that you've created in the community. And, you know, what are your thoughts on that? How do we get youth to really care? Because ultimately, those are the youth we want to go to post-secondary school here, to raise their families here and be part of the Waterloo region we imagine. So I'm passionate about it. I know you guys are. So let's just have that conversation. Yeah, I think it's very obvious that volunteering does benefit the organizations, the community at large, but there is a really big piece of that impact or benefit on the individual who actually does the volunteering. And I think that really volunteering is a component of overall wellness for people. And that's not something people talk about often or think about often, but that whole sense of feeling like you're included socially or you're fostering a sense of belonging, that's something very unique that volunteering can provide. And that's especially true for young people who are trying to find their way in the world or figure out how they can contribute meaningfully to their communities and the world on a bigger scale. A lot of people don't know where to start. So I think that that's a big hurdle when people are thinking about what to do. They kind of gravitate to just people they know or who's maybe doing something or a bigger organization that they've heard of. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best fit for them and the best way that they can contribute. So by going to use Volunteer Waterloo Region as a resource to really find out what opportunities exist, who needs help, what type of help, and also very different types of ways of helping, I think would be really eye-opening for a lot of young people or new volunteers alike. Yeah, you're right. I think sometimes the biggest barriers were to start. So we'll make sure that we add, you know, Volunteer World of the Region's website. So if people have interest on how to start, and I know from listening from the teens, they kind of want to do stuff that's not necessarily in their school. They want to do things that that they're in control of, that they're creating. They have such great ideas and passion. And I think it will be up to us as a community to really make sure we rally around them and listen because they often feel like they're not listened to. So as volunteers, making sure that they're just as part of the equation as, as everyone else. And I was going to add, I think that it's important just to get started and to start small. It can also seem very overwhelming to think about, oh, volunteering and what am I going to do? I know that there is a requirement in school now for students to start to give back and, and do some community service, but I think it seems much more daunting than it needs to be, especially if you think about Jane's examples of informal volunteering. It's just pitching in or helping out or thinking of others, which are, I mean, incredible life skills <laughs> that we want to foster in, in all of our young people. So I think if it's even just getting involved in one thing, whether it's a short-term event that you can help out with or even one particular cause, it will easily spiral into many more opportunities. But I think people need to kind of break it down into something very tangible that they can start with and hopefully it will build from there. 
And I think it builds empathy with our youth. And I know that is a theme coming up with regards to volunteer week that will be coming up later in April. So maybe we can ask Jane as we start to conclude just some ideas to first, I guess, what the theme is uh, for the volunteer week uh, this year. And also what we should be looking for if there are some interesting posts or events and as well, how charities can acknowledge so many volunteers that we have in our community that that makes Waterloo Region as great as it is. National Volunteer Week takes place every year, and this year it is taking place between the 24th and the 30th of April. The theme that has been set out by Volunteer Canada this year is Volunteers Are Empathy in Action. Really understanding and trying to walk in the shoes of others That is an important, important trajectory for us. There's a lot of things happening. You'll see stories about volunteers and about volunteerism in all of the traditional media and on social media. We will have a page on our website at volunteerwr.ca that really tells stories of volunteers. And so those who are listening, you have a story that you'd like to tell about how you've volunteered, please go to our website. You can post the story and we will set it up and have it shared with the rest of community. Because hearing the inspirational stories of all of the people who do give to this community only helps to get others involved as well. Jane, one thing I'm really curious to get your perspective on is how you think volunteering is going to change now post-pandemic or even looking toward the future. What does that volunteer of the future look like? Have you thought of trends or, or new things you see emerging in this space? It's certainly emerging, just like with everything else in the pandemic. Everything is changing dramatically right now. That is actually not a bad thing. We have done traditional volunteering in the same way or basically the same way for a very long time. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, about 12% of that volunteering was done with some form of technology. That just isn't the current reality. And so it really is about what are we trying to create as we move forward? And I think you'll see a lot of hybrid roles for volunteering, just like you do in the workplace. I think that we will see more of engaging volunteers in solution creation. I think that in order to really benefit from the skill sets, we really have to allow the volunteer with the client base of an organization to help drive direction and drive our missions and not seeing so much of the program delivery nine to five Monday to Friday that we used to see. In terms of really big picture solutions, so flexibility in the role, having a voice in direction, those are things using technology, like I say, those are all things that are going to be really paramount in the redesign of volunteerism moving forward. I think you're also going to see a lot more issue-based solution rather than a specific program direction. We were seeing formal volunteering numbers dropping pre-pandemic. That has There's been a spike again in interest in that. So hopefully we can take advantage of this and redesign so that it will be more accommodating, more appealing to the volunteer who, you know, we, we saw a lot of, particularly the young professionals 
who were designing their own thing because they weren't able to find it in the traditional setting. And we really need to have those young professionals in the traditional and formal environment because they will drive this for the future. And you mentioned technology, which I think is a really interesting thing to look at. In terms of pandemic response, it became crucial in responding and shifting to a more virtual way of doing things. But I think that there are other roles for technology to play in volunteering going forward as well. I know we've had conversations several times about the fact that there are a lot of people who are interested in volunteering, but don't really have the the flexibility that other people have and would love a more on-demand type approach to volunteering. And technology is maybe something that could enable that. If you could kind of search for who needs help right now versus committing to a longer-term volunteering opportunity, that would be something really neat to see happen. And I think that there's a lot of other opportunities that aren't really being explored for people to get involved in different ways. Like I know going back to the kind of youth concept, family volunteering is another area I think that more and more people are going to be interested in moving forward because they're realizing that everybody can contribute and everyone in a family can can have a role to play in making our community a better place. I love it. I think it's exciting. I think we'll be watching closely. I think we all agree that it's super important to our community. So thank you both, Nicole and Jane, for your time and energy today. I think it's such an important topic that's just not brought up nearly enough. So really appreciate your time. And as we conclude, just want to do a shout out to all the wonderful partners and volunteers we have at SVP. Thank you for donating your time, talent, and treasure to support the work of not-for-profits in our region. Until next time, this is Rose Greensides, host of Tap In, brought to you by Social Venture Partners. Have a great day. 